You are listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Thinking Talmudist Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Thinking Talmudist Podcast. Last week, we discussed kosher pork. We discussed that the Talmud tells us in Chulin 109b that God created a kosher substitution for everything that is non-kosher, meaning that nobody should ever feel like they're missing out because they're keeping kosher. Oh, you, you can't eat pork? Guess what? There's a kosher substitute for it. You can't eat certain things. You feel like you're missing out. Don't worry. Now, I wanted to give just a little disclaimer, and that is a Jew should never feel like they're missing out. We shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm giving up so much because I'm keeping kosher. That's not really the correct attitude, I think. You know, there was once a generation, not too long ago, when some of us were children still, you, you're all too young to know this, but back in the 40s and the 30s, people in the United States would lose their jobs every single Sunday morning because they would work, they'd come, come a tailor, for example. He'd come, he'd work for a company to be a tailor. He'd work for some uh, coat uh, manufacturer and he'd be a, a good tailor. And guess what? He would work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Shabbos, he wouldn't show up because Shabbos is Shabbos. I don't work on Shabbos. Come Sunday morning, the guy's like, go home. I don't need you here. And he'd go to a new. And there's actually someone who told me his grandfather saved all of the pink slips that he got. And he would hang them up in his sukkah as a badge of honor. As a badge of honor that he will not, under any circumstances, defile his Shabbos. He will not give up on his Shabbos, even if it means, even if it means losing his job. But there were many people who had a phrase that they would use, and it was a very sad phrase. It was Yid. In Yiddish, it's it's difficult to be a Jew. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein of Blessed Memory said that single phrase did more to damage Judaism than any other phrase, than any other thing. That attitude that it's difficult to be a Jew is very, very damaging. And it does a tremendous, tremendous amount of damage and harm to us. That's not the truth. The truth is, it's geschmack to be a Yid. It is awesome to be a Jew. It is delightful to be a Jew. It is rewarding to be a Jew. And we're not missing out on anything. So before we start talking about all of the substitutions that God embedded into our world so that we don't have to feel like we're missing out, oh, you're missing that pork sandwich. Shem says, don't worry, I got you. Even you lowly guy who you feel like you're always missing out and it's it's so difficult to be a Jew. Even for you, I created a substitution so you don't have to feel like you're missing out. One of the greatest principles that we've learned in all of our classes is that Judaism believes that our lives were created for pleasure. Judaism is all about pleasure. You look at the mitzvahs, you look at the Torah, it's all about pleasure. Now, what type of pleasure? The problem is the world that we're looking at today. You open up a magazine, any magazine, 
It's all about counterfeit, quick, easy fix pleasures. It's all counterfeit pleasures. It's not real pleasure. The real pleasure is hard work. The real pleasure, and we gave a couple of examples last week, a good marriage. Good marriage, there's nothing more pleasurable than a good marriage. A harmonious, loving, dedicated, committed marriage. There's nothing more beautiful than that. There's nothing more rewarding than that. But there's also nothing more difficult than that. We know that with that hard work and tremendous toil and tremendous dedication and tremendous sacrifice of your own personal ego, with that comes the reward of a tremendously beautiful relationship. On the other hand, we have another pleasure, which is our children. Children are the most delightful pleasure, but we know what gives us a lot of our white hairs are our children. And what gives us a lot of our challenge and a lot of sleepless nights are our children. So we see that the more pleasurable something is, usually it comes with hard work. I was just recently listening to a podcast, and the presenter, who's a from Jew, he's not a rabbi, doesn't clear himself as a rabbi, Rabbi Gedalia, I call him rabbi because he taught me Torah, he's teaching me Torah, Rabbi Gedalia Fenster, I highly recommend you listen to him, he says such incredible things. One of the things that he said, he says, whenever I see challenge, I know on the other side of that challenge is opportunity. The more something is challenging to me, the more opportunity there is for me. I think it's such a magnificent perspective on life. There are people who are dedicated to running away from challenges. Oh, it's a challenge. I'm out. Guess what? Anybody here run a marathon and have it an easy time running the marathon? No. You want that rewarding, that exhilarating feeling? I did it. I ran 26.2 miles. Do you know how many days... You were suffering and you were crying, tears and sweat of the pain. It doesn't come easy. Anything rewarding has a challenge to attain it. So while many people in this world are looking for an easy quick fix, and the whole world is dedicated to quick fix, the whole world. What can you do for me right now to help get rid of my problem? Right now. Well, guess what? I can't help you right now. It's all your childhood. It's your your younger years that may have caused you these psychological thoughts, these uh, these other types of impairments, these other types of worries, concerns, stress, anxiety. These things can come from other things. It's not a quick fix. There's no one pill. And the problem is that today people are looking, people are running to Dr. Rosenstock and say, Dr. Rosenstock, just fix me. I need a quick fix. And Dr. Rosenstock will be the first to tell us that it's a process. It takes time. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of dedication. So when the Jewish people back in the 30s and the 40s were saying, oh, it's difficult to be a Jew, You can imagine that the next generation was not excited about growing up being Jewish. Like, why should I be Jewish if it's so difficult? The truth is, is that it's geschmack to be a yid. You know what geschmack means? Geschmack means it's awesome. It's delightful. It's exciting. It's energizing. And we're not missing out on anything. 
Now, Rashi, we mentioned this last week as well. Rashi says, when we talk about kosher in Leviticus 11, chapter 11 in the book of Leviticus, Rashi says, don't ever say that you're not eating kosher because it's disgusting. Ugh. You see those advertisements from Applebee's. You see those advertisements from Burger King. You see those advertisements. You watch a football game. You're seeing all these advertisements. Don't say, ugh, disgusting, pork. Ugh. No. He says, don't say that. He says, ooh, that really looks delicious. But you know why I'm not eating it? Because my Father in Heaven told me not to. You'll get an extra reward. Don't say it's disgusting. He said, no, no, no. It really does look delicious. I wish I could eat it. But you know what? The Almighty commanded me not to. My Father in Heaven commanded me not to, and that's the reason I'm not going to. So it's a matter of perspective. And we're not missing out on anything. I promise you. You know who else promises you? Not me. I'm Who am I? I'm a nobody. The Almighty. God, creator of heaven and earth. He tells us you're not missing out on anything. And if you're so concerned, oh, Where's my pork? It's not fear. My neighbor eats pork. My friends eat pork. What's with me? Okay, for you, I have a substitute. I created a substitute so you don't feel like you're missing out. And most people tell me, eh, you're not missing out on anything. So, my dear friends, when we study this Talmud that tells us all of these substitutes that God created, it's for those who feel like, oh, yo, yo, I'm missing out. But the truth is, we're not missing out on anything. The 365 commandments in the Torah that tell us of things we are not allowed to do, and the 248 commandments that tell us the things that we're obligated to do, that's more than enough. We don't need to add extra commandments to ourselves. We don't have to add extra afflictions to ourselves. We don't have to add extra things on our shoulders of more burdensome laws. The Torah gives us enough. The Torah tells us there's a proper way to do things. There's a proper balance that's required. And this is our theme going through every class. We have to have balance in Judaism. Everything in Judaism is about balance. Yes, sir. It's not a good question. It's a great question. So my, my question for my dear Ron, Ron, welcome back. We missed you. I, it's a delight to have you back here. I don't know about everybody else, but for me personally, I love your questions. I love your challenges. It keeps my feet to the fire, and that's what I love. So in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, I'm going to get you the exact verse. The Torah tells us exactly what we can and cannot eat. And it says that any animal, I'm going, to, I'm going to pull up the exact verse so you don't have to uh, take my word for it. Verse number three. I'm going to start from verse number one, and we'll read it straight so I'm not making up anything, and you know the exact source for where the Torah gives us this commandment. This is biblical. It's not the rabbis. This is not Midrash. This is God's Torah given to us at Mount Sinai. Vayidaber Hashem Moshe ve'el Aaron lemor Hashem spoke to Moses, to Moshe, and to Aaron, saying to them, Dabru el b'nei Yisrael lemor. Speak to the children of Israel, saying the following, Zo sachaya asher tochlu, mikola behema asher ala oretz. 
This is the living thing that you may eat from among the animals that are upon the earth. Now, verse number three. Call mafreses parsa, everything among the animals that has a split hoof. Vi shosas shesa prosos male geira babehema oso tochelu, which is completely separated into double hooves, and that brings up its cud. That one you may eat. So you need to have two conditions to be a kosher animal. It also has split hooves, and it chews its cud. That's what the Torah says, verse number three. Verse number four. And of these you shall not eat that have one of these signs. The camel. The camel chews its cud but does not have split hooves. It is unclean to you. Don't eat it. Again, there are four exceptions, which is an astonishing thing that 3,300 years ago when Moses was no zoologist, that he can say the exact four of all the billions of different creatures on planet Earth the only four exceptions. So the first exception is the camel. The camel has split no split hooves, but has the chewing of its cud. So that is not kosher. It has only one sign, not the other. Vesashafon and the hyrax. Ki malegerahu uparsolo yafris tamehulochem. It chews its cud, it brings up its cud, but its hooves are not split. It is unclean to you. Veshar Nevis and the here, which is the rabbit. It also chews its cut, has no split hooves, and therefore it's unclean to you. Do not eat it. And then the fourth exception, the Esachazir and the pig. Kimafris Parsa, it has split hooves. Vishosa Shesa Parsa Vuhugero Lo Yigor. It has split hooves. It's completely separated, like, like a kosher animal. However, it does not chew its cud. It is unclean to you. Do not eat it. Now the verse continues, verse 8. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor shall you touch their carcass. They are unclean to you. Okay, so now... There have been people who said, oh, it's not that you're not allowed to eat it because it's not kosher. (laughs) It's just because they're unclean. There's trigonosis and there's other types of illnesses, but today they're clean and therefore there's no problem. That's not what the Torah says. The Torah says it needs to have these two conditions. Choose its cud, split hooves. And if it doesn't have both of those, it's not kosher. Every animal that has both of those components, like a cow, like a deer, like a giraffe, by the way. A giraffe chews its cud, and it also has split hoofs. Uh, A sheep, a goat, all of these are kosher animals. They have split hoofs, and they chew their cud. And you can enjoy them all day, every day. Torah says, no problem, this is kosher food. You can enjoy that. 
You can. So, so there's a couple of issues with giraffe of why we don't eat giraffe. It's not because we don't know where to slaughter it. People think because it has such a long neck, we don't know the exact place. On the contrary, it has much more area that you can slaughter it because that is another very interesting thing I want to share with you very, very briefly. So, so there's an amazing thing. You want to hear something really, really amazing? So you, you've heard the rabbis say that when an animal is slaughtered, a kosher animal is slaughtered properly, it has the least pain. It has no pain, actually. Okay? So when does something die? When does something die? When does something die? So we know there's something called clinical death. There's something, you know, there's sometimes when the heart stops, that's one thing. But when the brain stops, that's another, another, another indicator. Okay. So how does the brain get its oxygen? Blood. Very good. The blood transfers oxygen to all parts of the body, right? We get perfusion, okay, which is the blood going. So if you squeeze your finger, so hold it down, hold it down, everybody holding it down, hold down your finger at the tip and look at where you're squeezing after you leave go. Oh, it's going to be white and then it turns red again. Why? What you're doing is you're holding back the blood from reaching that extremity, that finger, and then oh, the blood fills it again. What is the blood doing? The blood is delivering oxygen. If, God forbid, you have a part of your body that does not get oxygenated, it dies. Gangrene, and it's over. So, Hashem Yiracham, Hashem should protect us and have mercy on us. that We should never have any type of illness or challenge. Okay, so a kosher animal gets slaughtered. And where it gets slaughtered, it needs to cut, the, the shochet, the slaughterer, needs to cut both of the arteries that lead the blood to the brain. Both arteries. But do you know what's unique about kosher animals? Only by kosher animals. See, where are those two arteries? Both of the arteries are in the front. By kosher animals only. By non-kosher animals, they have one in the front and one in the back. So when they're slaughtered, according to the Torah, there is literally no pain. From the moment it's slaughtered, it is done. It doesn't feel a thing because the brain is now not receiving any oxygen whatsoever. It doesn't feel any more pain, and it's, it's dead. A non-kosher animal, even if it was slaughtered according to the Torah properly, it would be suffering a terrible death. But it happens to be that only the kosher animals have that construct. Only the kosher animals. Unbelievable. What a coincidence. Ah, there is no coincidence. There is no coincidence in Judaism. My dear friends, the Torah that we have is perfect. The Torah that we have is perfect. The life that God constructed for us as Torah-observant Jews is perfect. We're not missing out on anything. And if a person thinks that they're missing out, here comes our Talmud in Tractate Chulin 109b and tells us, oh, you're afraid that you're missing out on pork? Guess what? There's a kosher substitute for that. And you think you're missing out that you're not able to be with a certain woman? The Torah gives us the, the way that you can do it properly. There's everything. There's a way to do it in a proper form. So if a person 
really wants to connect to the Almighty, there's no barriers. A person should can never say, well, if God only let me eat pork, I would learn his Torah. <laughs> right? If, if God didn't, that, that's, that's nonsense. Right? God gives us all of the opportunities. He gives us all of the pleasures in the world without limiting us from even one. And if you want, in this magnificent book, a book called The Coming Revolution, and this has many, many different proofs of God's authenticity, the authenticity of God's Torah and God's presence in this world, and it shows you all the kosher animals, and it shows you exactly where those arteries are. And versus non-kosher animals, where the artery is in the front and in the back, and that's a, a very unpleasant way to die. Yes, sir. Right. The Torah does not allow us to afflict ourselves and cause ourselves pain. Ooh, the Christians? Yeah, I don't talk about Christianity. I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't believe in any of that. In fact, in this week's Parsha, in our Parsha Review podcast, my dear friends, click on the interwebs, find the Parsha Review podcast, and we talk about this. In this week's Parsha, where the Torah prohibits us from causing ourselves to bleed after someone passes away, it used to be that people would like stab themselves and cut themselves as a sign of mourning, as a sign of sadness. We're not allowed to do that. The Torah openly prohibits that type of activity. The Torah does not allow us to do such a thing. Why? Because the Torah doesn't want us to be in pain. The Torah doesn't want us to be hurt. The Torah wants us to enjoy life. And the, the guidelines of the Torah give us the exact balance of authentic, true pleasure, not fleeting, fake pleasure, not counterfeit pleasure. And that's what we're looking for. So if, even if someone is like, oh, I'm missing out so much because I can't eat at the salt grass and I can't, uh, you know, I'm missing out on their, on their delicious uh, ham sandwich, you know what? There is a kosher substitute for that. Even if someone is that shallow, like, oh, uh, if only I can eat the pork, Hashem says, you know what? Even for you, I have something special. Yes, sir. So actually, this is an incredible question you're asking. Again, what is, what is, the, what is the basis for the chewing the cud? I'll give you two answers. Number one, I don't know. Okay, that's the first answer. I really don't know. I tried doing some research on it this year. I asked some of my friends, rabbis, colleagues, I couldn't get a clear answer. Nobody really knows. And you should know that what this is called a chok. A chok, there are some laws we understand, some laws we don't understand. This is one of the laws we have no idea as to why God said so. But let's bring in Joel Osteen. So Joel Osteen gave a presentation. I don't know if anything that he said is true, but it sounds good. It sounds good. So let me tell you what he said. This is about 10 years ago. I saw the video. You can search for it online. Joel Osteen on Keeping Kosher. And Joel Osteen is a uh, pastor here in Houston uh, from Lakewood Church. Uh, for those of you who know, uh, those of you who don't know, it's okay. You don't need to know. But let me tell you what he said. I'm going to share with you all of the wisdom that he shared. I thought it was a beautiful explanation. He says like this, an animal that chews its cud, so it chews the food really, really well. It goes into the first intestines. Then it comes out of the first intestines, sends it back up, chews it again, and then it goes into its, in, into its stomach. Okay? Imagine the process that it takes for it to eat. And what does it eat? 
It only eats grass. It doesn't eat junk. It doesn't eat the carcasses of animals. It doesn't eat dirt. It eats grass. It eats hay. It eats clean, natural food, things that grow from the ground. And even then, it's a 24-hour process of it to process that food. You imagine how clean that food must be once it's part of the meat of the animal. Take a a pig, and it has a, a very, very quick digestive system, and it doesn't do it twice. It hard, And what does it eat? It eats junk. It takes in the worst junk. It sits in the mud. It's eating the filth off the ground. They, they'll eat their own babies, and four hours later, it's sitting on your dinner table. It doesn't have that same process of I guess, regurgitating its food and cleaning it. And what does it eat? It eats filth. She says, which one do you prefer having on your plate? Do you prefer having something that for 24 hours was processing the cleanest of food which grows from the ground? Or do you prefer something that had four hours of a weak metabolism, a weak digestive system, and is eating junk? Which do you prefer having on your plate? And he said that after studying Leviticus 11, him and his family committed to never eating that again. So gefilte fish is. I I already I already went on on I went on a I went on a tirade last week about gefilte fish. How more Jews have been turned off about Judaism from gefilte fish than anything else. So that's without mentioning any brands. But the truth is, is that that's that's not really delightful food. That's not you know I'm talking about. You can go to a restaurant today, and you can order. You can go to a Casa Bar and Grill. You can go to Genesis Steakhouse. You can even go to Saba's Walk and Grill. It is a exceptional, exceptional food. You wouldn't even know. I, again, I've never eaten non-kosher, so I don't know what the parallel to that would be in a non-kosher. But the people who've eaten Chinese that's non-kosher, they say this is, if not equal, better. You're getting you're getting wholesome chicken that hasn't been uh, uh, electrocuted, but rather been slaughtered properly by a shochet. You're getting meat that has been slaughtered in the most humane, most beautiful, sensitive, delicate way. It is the most unbelievable gift that Hashem has instilled in our life as Jews. Follow Hashem's ordinances and He gives you the path to living a maximized life filled with pleasure, filled with joy. And yes, so I would love to see that camel. If that ca- if there was a camel, like you're saying, that was born with a birth defect and it has split hooves and it chews its cud, you know what? According to the Torah, it would be kosher, except the fact that God says camel is one of those exceptions that can never be kosher because it only has one. So it, because the Torah explicitly points it out as being an exception to the rule, it cannot ever be kosher, even if it does have those two symptoms, those two identifiers. But it's a great question. I I like the creativity there. But we're not missing out on anything. We're really not missing out on anything. Now, last week we learned this Talmud in 109b in Tractate Chulin. I want today to give a little focus to the commentaries on this Talmud. And the commentaries say as follows. Let's see, there's some comments here on the interwebs. 
All right. Thank you, Linda. Linda says, trust me, coming from a non-Jew, you are not missing out on anything. Janet, Janet on, on YouTube says, at work, they have barbecue during summers and I have to pass, but it smells so delicious. So Janet, I want to tell you, you are going straight to heaven. Okay. You're going straight to heaven with no stop, with no, uh, with no, the, the incredible, reward that one gets when they're in a situation of temptation, of challenge, where it smells so delicious. And by the way, when you're looking at those ads on television, I always tell my children, right, Yehuda, when, we, when we're watching like the Super Bowl or we're watching a football game, baseball game, and they have these advertisements and you see these delicious beef patties and cheese and, and all these things falling so perfectly on these burgers and you're like, and it's only 99 cents. And you're like, ah, oh. so our instinct is to be like, ugh, it's disgusting. It's not kosher anyway. Ugh, disgusting. No, 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 no. It's so delicious. But you know why we're not going to eat it? Because Hashem said we shouldn't. That's why. And you know what? Even though it's tempting, even though. So Janet, I envy you. Keep it up. And brisket smells delicious too. So I'll tell you, Linda, that's true. You know what? Brisket is kosher. Brisket is kosher. There's no reason that brisket shouldn't be kosher. You can buy a kosher brisket. You go to the uh, supermarkets here in Houston, for example. You go to HEB. They have the kosher meats. You can buy a kosher brisket at Randall's. You can buy a kosher brisket at any of the kosher supermarkets here. You have the uh, the kosher butcher, and you have Ophir's Harova, and you can buy kosher brisket. You can buy kosher lamb chops, and you can buy kosher, uh, you know, uh, London broil, and you can you can buy you know prime rib, everything bone in, out bone, whatever you want. Any my favorite meat, by the way, is the skirt steak. I love the skirt steak, especially when it's salty, when it's extra salty. I love that. I don't know why people sometimes soak it and they get the salt. Why would you, why would you get rid of that salt? Oh, it's amazing. Either way, there's so many delicious things. Why do we have to feel like we're missing out because we can't eat pork? They do better marketing than us. Doesn't mean it's better. Yes. Amazing. You see that? You see? Here we go. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. So I think we're all going kosher here like 100% of the time. It, the truth is it's not so difficult. It really is not so difficult. You can get a, a nice barbecue grill, get yourself a nice new, even if it's not co kosher to begin with, if you had unkosher stuff, you can kosher it. Clean it really well. Turn up the, the temperature all the way to the highest it can go. Keep it for an hour or so or two. And that's kosher. Self-cleaning, you can do that with your oven. But again, you got to make sure that there's nothing there present. Clean it up really well, and that oven is 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 kosher after you you do a a, a self-cooking. The the meat that is not allowed to be eaten is well, fillet can the the T-bone cannot, the, the gidanasha that cannot be eaten ever, even though it's a kosher kosher piece of meat that we sell to Purdue and to and to Tyson, that's not kosher. God says that's one thing you can't touch from even a kosher animal. But, my dear friends, let's see what the commentaries have to say about this. For every food or act which the Torah prohibited, there is another food or act for, from which the same pleasurable sensation as the resulting from the forbidden food or act can be derived. And yet is permitted as Yalta will proceed to illustrate. So Yalta was the wife of Rabbi Nachman, and 
she was the one who said, where's my pork? And he said, okay, there's a, uh, there's an, there's a substitute for it. There is a fish, the shibuta fish, and the shibuta fish tastes just like that. This was purposely planned by God so that we would recognize that in his intention in prohibiting any given item was not in order to deny us that pleasure inherent in that item, but rather because they're unclean. Stay away from it. So if you look at the Torah, by the way, beautifully, what does the Torah say in Leviticus 11 here when we just brought this up? It didn't say don't eat it because it's disgusting. It said don't eat it because it's unclean to you. It's missing this sign. It's unclean to you. Now, one of the things we discussed previously is that food is not what we think it is. We think food is physical. It's what I put into my body. It's a physical item that I'm eating. And therefore, this is my nourishment, my physical nourishment. Our sages tell us food goes beyond physical nourishment. Food is actually spiritual nourishment. And what these animals that are not kosher do is they clog our spiritual nourishment. We're limiting our spiritual functions from connecting, from growing. We're not allowing ourselves spiritually to be able to connect. It's creating a blockade between us and our perfect spiritual self. God tells us this. He says, look, I created these animals. I'm telling you, they're unclean to you. Stay away from them. Commentaries now continue. The liver, so this is one of the things, you know, the Torah tells us also in the past couple of weeks portions, we're not allowed to eat blood. It says it multiple times. We're not allowed to eat blood. Why? Because the soul. The blood is the soul. And that's one of the reasons we have to cover the blood of a slaughtered animal. When you slaughter an animal, the blood is on the floor, drips on the floor. You have to cover it. Why? Because it's the dignity of that soul. Even an animal has a soul. The dignity, you cover it. You bury it. That was one of the mitzvahs that they do when they, whenever there's a slaughtering. There's a special blessing that you recite before you cover the, the blood. It, there's dignity here. There's dignity of an animal. So now someone's going to say, hey, but blood is delicious. God says, don't worry. You're not missing out. Liver is made up entirely of hardened blood, and it tastes like blood. Liver, you're allowed to eat. Of a kosher animal, obviously. Liver, you're allowed to eat. Blood, you're not allowed to. So someone's going to say, hey, God is limiting me from the pleasure of eating blood. Don't worry, you're not missing out. Now, for those of you who may not have heard our previous podcast on pork, kosher pork, part one, you may not have realized that we said that every single animal after it's slaughtered, every kosher animal after it's slaughtered, needs to be needs to be soaked in warm water. It needs to be salted, and then it needs to be rinsed. Why? You know, if you go to the store, you'll see that they have kosher salt. Where does that name come from? How do they? Why don't they have treif salt? No, no, no. It's called kosher salt, and it's more coarse because that's the salt that was used to kosher animals. That's the salt that is used still to kosher animals. So it's more coarse. What happens with that salt? That salt extracts all of the blood from the animal. And then after rinsing it off, all of the blood and all of the salt gets washed off. 
Some say that that's why the kosher meat is a little bit saltier than non-kosher meat. But that way, it takes out all of the blood from the animal. It's an amazing thing. It's like a magnet. The, the salt goes on the, on the flesh, on the meat of the animal, and it extracts all of the blood from it. It's an amazing thing. A lot of the kosher food that people love, like the schmaltz that you're talking about, or the grieven, right, with the, with the, the with the, right, the, the, the stuff, everything you're allowed to eat also needs to have balance. It's not enough that it's kosher, so let me just pack it all in. You see, sadly, plenty of people who keep kosher and are very, very firm about their kosher, they would, they would starve themselves to death not eating non-kosher. Yet, you see them with these fat bellies, right? And, and, and they're overweight, and that's not either good. The Torah teaches us balance. There's no food that's kosher that you're not allowed to eat. However, it needs to be in balance. Anything, think about it. I love meat. But if you eat too much meat, it's not going to be good for you either. I love dairy. But you know what? Too much dairy, not either going to be good for you. There has to be a balance of things. You love candies? Great. Yeah, I, I always say the, the example of the potato chips. I love barbecue potato chips, but you eat a full bag of potato chips, you'll be sick to your stomach. Everything needs to be in moderation. So it's not enough that it's kosher. Great. You know what? You can have all of that stuff. You can have all of that stuff. It needs to be in moderation. It needs to be about balance. Everything in Judaism is about balance. Uh, another question here from our friends online, Janet. Um, by the way, everyone here is rooting for you, Janet, so thank you very much. Uh, we, we love having you here, part of our class. So can we purchase brisket from Costco even if not processed by a shokin? Unfortunately not. If, if the meat has not been slaughtered by a kosher-supervised process, it's unfortunately not kosher. Um, even though they can write ethically treated and all of that, it's, it doesn't qualify for being a kosher slaughtering. However, in Costco, in many of the Costcos in kosher communities, for example, our Costco on Richmond here in, in Houston has many, many kosher products that you don't have in the other Costcos. So you can have a lot of kosher cheeses, You'll have a lot of kosher. Sometimes they have even the Meal Mart brisket and the Meal Mart ready packaged. Uh, all you need to do is heat it up in your oven, and it's delicious. They'll have sometimes stuffed cabbage. They'll have all of these things, including a very well priced uh, what do you call salami, the big salami, and the, and the sa and the salmon as well. Salmon, fresh salmon, delicious kosher. They sell in the freezer. They have frozen uh, uh, salmon. And in general. Costco has magnificent quality, good food. So, you know, I'm a big Costco fan. Those of you know this for years already. But uh, make sure it has that kosher symbol. And I will tell you that there are times I come home with foods that, and, and I'm like, here, I, I show my wife. Like, she's like, that, that's not kosher. What, what? Like, I'm like, it's not kosher? Come on, that looks. And I was wrong. So I had to go back to Costco and say, I'm sorry. I bought something which wasn't kosher. And, uh, and th that's that. So, Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we all make mistakes. So don't feel bad if you bought something by mistake that wasn't kosher. Like, for example, nuts. Just check the bag, check the container, make sure it has a kosher symbol on it. Make sure it has a kosher symbol on it. Why? Why is it so important to make sure? Because sometimes the nuts, and not sometimes, most of the time the nuts are processed in oil. 
And sometimes they're using non-kosher oil. So Star K, OK, OU, Chaf K, all of those kosher certifications. Because I'm sorry, this is not kosher. This is you know oil that's not kosher oil. Why is it non-kosher? Maybe they ran the pork rinds in that same oil. We don't know. We're not in the plant. They are. So you have to understand there are always rabbis in these plants checking out, making sure that every single ingredient that goes into our food is kosher. So when you open up one of those bags of pretzels, you can know 100% that there was a rabbi there on premises that checked every single ingredient that went into that pretzel. That's including the flour. That's including every chemical that they have, every preservative they have, every salt that they used, making sure. Can you pass me some of those uh, those treats that are there? And I'll show you that every single one has a symbol to ensure that this was properly prepared so that you can enjoy it. Now, again, this was not the case 50, 60 years ago. We weren't able to just buy any foods. Okay, so here, here we go. Here we go. Check this out. This is a delicious Quaker chewy chocolate chip thing. So if you look here on the back, on the front, there's an OUD right there. There's a little OUD that shows you, tells you that every ingredient that went in here, the chocolate chips, you think they make the chocolate chips? No, they have a producer out in, in Idaho that's giving them those, those chocolate chips. And they have someone else who's sending them all of the other ingredients that are in here. The granola, where's that coming from? Right, All of the whole grain wheat, all of that stuff is coming from different places. You have to have a mashgiach there on premises at the Quaker plant that's checking, oh, that's a kosher, that's kosher, that's kosher, that's kosher. All of those ingredients are going in. This will become a kosher product if it's done in the right way. Okay, next, you have these pretzels. We used these as an example last week. And you have right over here on the front, you have the kosher symbol right there. The OU is right there. Here you have another product. Chocolate chip soft and chewy made by Costco. Not made by Costco. Nothing's made by Costco. But they had probably, they're made in the same plant as these Quaker ones. But this is actually a different certification. This is okay. And by the way, they, they, they put now, they put a D. So you'll know that it's dairy. So don't eat this right after eating your steak dinner, right? This has an OUD. This over here, I don't know what makes it dairy. Probably there's some type of milk um, additive that contributes to it being dairy. One second, one second. And then we have these rolled wafers made by Pashkas. But either way, they have a rabbi there. And it says over here, as you can see here on the bottom, it says kosher parav. By, by the way, the fact that it says kosher parav means nothing. All right? The fact that it says kosher parav doesn't mean anything. Look for the kosher symbol. Who's certifying it? This is them saying, the company saying, it's kosher. No, 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 no. Show me who's putting their name on it. And if you look over here on the side, you will see that it has the kosher certification over, here we go, right over here on top. This is the kosher, this is the rabbi who's supervising this plant, ensuring that this was indeed. Now, sometimes they have these plants that are making these out in Australia. and They're going to send the rabbi out to the plant in Australia to ensure, because they what they do is today with the industrialized market is that you'll have one big manufacturing plant that produces it for 10 different labels. So you think Randall's makes anything, you know, with their signature brand? No, they're not making anything. They have a company that's also making it for HEB and the company that's also making it for Kroger and the one that's also making it for all the other brands. Here's another one, Smucker's Strawberry Jam, right? OU. So today it's an unbelievable thing that wherever you go all around the world, 
in the United States, it's more prevalent. You can find kosher everywhere. And it's really an amazing thing. It's an amazing generation to live in where you can find kosher everywhere. Yes. So there's certain juices, cranberry juice or something like that, they're not always kosher. Ocean spray, they're not always kosher. But you have to look. They, they will always have one which is, but you happen to pick the wrong one. You picked the wrong brand. This one is not certified. So you got to make sure. And you can tell them, listen, I bought the non-kosher brand. I just want to exchange it for the kosher brand. They understand that. And that's something which is very common, especially because they have a big kosher clientele. They know that you know it's very important to us to do the right thing. Yes. So if it's parv, it'll say that it'll say that it's parv. If it's meat, it'll say glot or something like that to ensure that you know that this is if it's chicken, you know it's chicken. You know it, you know, so so it doesn't it doesn't need to say that it's parav, but it generally they do so that they help out the consumer. By the way, I I would love to start a movement that has not only the kosher symbol on all of these products. By the way, also there's water. It's kosher. Right? There's a kosher symbol on this water bottle. Right? And you're wondering, like, why does water need to be kosher? Why does water need to be kosher? Guess what? Do you know that the waters you drink that are not spring water. This is spring water, but you have mineral water. They put all these minerals and vitamins in there. You know that they're kosher? They need to be kosher. Not all water is kosher. They take out, there are many, many companies that will, what they do is they neutralize the water, take out all the flavor from the water, and then they put in so that water they get from Dallas and water they get from Houston and water they get from Sacramento all has the same flavor. So that what they do is they neutralize the water from all its flavor, and then they add in citric acid or whatever else that they put in there, uh, whatever other minerals that they put in, citrate. They put citrate in all those other things. By the way, some of them are problematic for Pesach. They might be kosher, but they might be problematic for Pesach. It's another thing because they have corn derivatives. These are, we're getting into a lot of chemistry and a lot of things like that when we talk about kosher. So kosher is not... As simple, well, so soap you're not eating, hopefully. Hopefully you're not eating soap. Right, but still, it says that you're not supposed to eat them. You're not allowed to eat them. Uh, most soap is made out of pig fat. Right, you have glycerin in a lot of things. Now, again, glycerin is pig fat. Glycerol is fish fat, which is the same exact consistency, but made from a kosher fish. So like gums, like we mentioned last week, you have the glycerin in non-kosher. You'll have the glycerol in kosher. In the top drawer over there, there's a pack of gum. Can you please bring it here? We're going to look at it to see. So it depends. In a meat restaurant, they need to be there all the time. In a meat restaurant, the mashgiach is there. The mashgiach has the key to the fridge and the freezer. Here we go. Go. Here we go. Ingredients. Sweetener. Da 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 dum. Glycerol. Okay, this is kosher gum. Kosher gum, it's made by, uh, but it's imported by Pashkas. So Pashkas is the uh, importer. But it's made by a company that produces gum that's also non-kosher. But they have a special run where they don't use glycerin, which is pig fat. They use glycerol. And if you look at the ingredients, look right here on the second row, second to last. You see that? Second to last item in the ingredients. It has glycerol. So the idea is is that, yes, they'll send in a mashgiach there, and the mashgiach will be there on premises while they do the kosher roll, run of the glycerol to ensure that it's indeed done properly. 
So that's medicine. Medicine is a totally different thing. And yes, to me, that yes, that's you're not eating that for pleasure. That's a that's a uh, it's a medicine. A medicine is very different. Now, right. So, so medicines do not need to be kosher. However, there are some medicines that have the capsules, and those plastic capsules do have pig fat in it. So that could be problematic. So try to find it without the capsule. But again, you can look, you can search all these things online. Type in a Nyquil kosher, and it'll tell you which brand, which which one you can get that is kosher. It's unbelievable. So you know what? It's already getting late, my dear friends. So my dear friends, those of you on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever else, and Twitch, you might find us on Twitch. But thank you very much for joining us. Have an amazing Shabbos. We didn't even get to the commentaries yet. The the conversation is so exciting and enlightening. Uh, I appreciate all of you being here in person, those of you who are on Zoom, those of you who are on our uh, online platforms. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a magnificent Shabbos. And Ron, welcome back. We're so happy to see you back from Israel. And have a tremendously beautiful Shabbos, my dear friends. Shabbat Shalom, everybody.